This podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. To a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. So let's sweeten the deal. You say you won't wrestle me? What's it gonna take? These are the keys. To my Ford Black Ops, it's one of 300. Max loves that truck. It's yours. How about this timepiece? It's an Omega Seamaster courtesy of Tony Khan. Means the world to me. Most expensive thing on my body. You want this? It's yours. I'm willing to go even higher. How about these red bottoms, these Louboutin shoes? You want these? They're yours. And, and, and humor me, humor me. Some people like cold, hard cash, right? Justin, would you bring that briefcase in here, please? That is over $50,000 in real cash. You need me to validate it? I'm going to slip a hundo off and... That, that young gentleman right there, can you go ahead and give him that? I still think MJF is the future. Max is the future, but an education is the passport there, and I'm going to educate you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to harm you. I'm going to lacerate you. All you need to do is name your price. Each and every one of us, we're waiting. I'm waiting. Let's do this. About to 
It's a brand new episode of the Elitist Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez, and we're back to talk more AEW Dynamite on TNT. Uh, this is their 10th episode, Nick, and I thought uh, this week was an improvement over what was a weird, a really weird episode last week. There is some weird stuff on this episode, but I didn't get the overall weird vibe that I got from last week. It was definitely improvement over what they did last week. I More watchable, I would say, than what they did last week, for sure. Yeah, this week, less weirdness. Still some weirdness, but not quite as much. Uh, and the show kicks off right away with action. Uh, proud and powerful in Sammy Guevara against the Young Bucks and Dustin Rhodes, or if I've come to call them Dust Bucks. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked they didn't go with that, but uh, look... I feel like I'm going crazy here every week when I mention this sort of thing. But the first thing I write down here is audio mixing is crazy. Seriously, it's fucking horrible. I don't know what everyone else was hearing. Again, I'm watching this on my computer with headphones on. But at times, all I could hear were the announcers and everything else sounded quiet. And then... All I could hear was the crowd and the announcers were quiet and the ring was very stifled. And then at times the ring was very loud. And then eventually they seemed to get the mix just right sometime halfway through this match. I don't know if you noticed this, but it with headphones on, it's driving me insane. It was tough to even enjoy the match at first. Uh, it was driving me so crazy. Didn't have any- I didn't have an issue with, like, the mixing, but audio kept dropping out for some reason this week. It kept, like, going, randomly cutting out. Like, I thought they had, like, censored people, and then it just kept happening through, like, the first couple matches, I think. Yeah, they I, they had some sort of audio problem. Uh, faces are large and in charge to start this match. Dives from everyone, including Dustin. Uh, Matt goes for the Northern Lights Suplex Express, but the train is derailed. When Matt tries to suplex all three people at once. Uh, This did not work. Uh, Then the heels gain control. Uh, Dustin gets a hot tag. He power slams everybody. Uh, He hit what I can only describe as a Texan destroyer for a two count. That's a dust royer, everybody. I got to get those puns in. Uh, but yes, gold dust. dust but yes, Col- gold dust did a Canadian destroyer. Uh, he got a two count out of that because the the pin was broken up. Uh, proud and powerful, they try to play some sock ball uh, with Dustin, and Sammy Guevara hits him with a six thirty, where he just splats Dustin, and uh, he manages to kick out though. He gets a tag into Nick Jackson, who goes crazy. People are diving everywhere. Uh, they get Dustin, uh, or they get Matt, I think, or Nick into the ring, uh, where there's a triple team double stop power bomb that Dustin makes the save for. Uh, Sammy then decides he's going to shoot a vlog, so he goes for a shooting star press while filming a vlog, and ends up being super kicked in the face by the Young Bucks. And I don't know how to describe this, Nick, but I just wrote... Crazy Indie Taker variant for the win. Uh, Nick, both Dustin and Matt were holding Inner Circle members in tombstone positions, and one was laying on the ground. And Nick did a drop kick off the top rope 
into the two tombstoned guys who were then tombstoned while he also sent on the guy on the ground. I believe that was Sammy Guevara and pinned him for the win. What did you think of the opener? It was a hot match. Yes, it was. Dustin. Dustin is just still impressing me. Like every time he's mm-hmm. gotten in the ring, he does great stuff. I thought the part where he got winded in the middle. Oh, the power slam. Sammy to hang on. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And then still power oh. slammed him. Yep. That was good. He, he was like, hold on, hold on. All right, let's do it. Still gotcha. <laughs> yep. That was good um, stuff. And, and he had, also, he had young bucks esque Dustin Rhodes gear on sort of. Yes. I was about to mention that he's wearing the fringe around his legs, but it goes up into the bodysuit still. Yes, Tony Schiavone was stunned at this. He's like, this may <laughs> this may have been a first for Dustin. I also liked uh, when Nick lured Sammy into the blindside spear from Matt. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty fun, too. Just lots of action. Great match. Yeah. Uh, as I open grapple here, what did you give the opener? Three and three quarter stars. Oh, big fan of this one. I gave I was close. I gave it three and a half. And Grapple gave this one Oh, they're closer to you, sir. Three point seven three for this opener. A very good opener. Uh excellent. Highly enjoyable. Uh announcers run down the card and events for tonight, and then we go into Trent versus Ray Phoenix. Uh they point out here, and I also I love, I should point out uh, another thing that I love for the most part, I love the thing they're doing with the lower third graphics for everybody. Uh, not only are they now showing you their ranking, if they're ranked in singles or tag, uh, but uh, if there is not uh, a specific title or uh, something attached to your name uh, above it, they usually put something important, like this person's on a win streak right now, or uh, in this case, they noted that Trent is looking to sweep the Lucha Brothers in singles matches. He had beaten Pentagon Jr. in a match on AEW Dark, and he is looking to now beat Phoenix uh, in a singles match here. I really like that they do that sort of thing, uh, and that sort of also sets up the, the little story they're telling. Uh, both men stalemate early as they both try for their finishers, but are both are countered. Uh, Phoenix is in control going into a break. Back from the break, Trent makes a comeback. And I note here that the sound is still weird. Now the sound at ringside is quiet. Um, there was, like, uh, somebody would do a chop and I couldn't hear the chop. It was weird. I could hear the crowd, but the chop made no sound. Or I could, or I could barely hear it or something. Uh... Not head sound problems. Uh, Trent with a spike tornado DDT for a two. Uh, uh, Phoenix gives him a monkey flip, and Trent tries to turn this into a hurricane rana, but it is countered into a power bomb for a two. Trent hits a pile driver on Phoenix uh, for a near fall, and the match ends with uh, Phoenix hitting a flurry of moves and hitting him with what Jim Ross is calling the MMB or the Mexican Muscle Buster. Uh, I thought this was good, but also missing something, I guess. Crowd wasn't quite as up for this as they were for the first match either. Uh, what did you think of Trent and, and Phoenix? I'm with you there. It was fun, but it wasn't. It, it never really kicked out into that bigger match that we were looking for. Um, 
There was some cool stuff in there, though. Yeah. I thought when Phoenix sweeped Trent's legs off the turnbuckle. Oh, with the 619? The yeah. Yes, that was sweet. Yes. Um, I also noted that Orange Cassidy showed more emotion than usual. He actually raised his hands slightly at one point yes. in shock. <laughs> yes. Tony Schiavone also noted this. He's like, Orange Cassidy, very concerned, and you can tell because he moved. <laughs> um, I gave this one uh, three and a quarter star. Okay, I went with uh, three, but Grapple, closer to you with 3.23. So, very, you're like right in line with Grapple this week. I like mines. And you're, and we're only, you're only really ahead of me by a little bit as well, I think. Uh, up next, Cody uh, is out for an interview with Tony Schiavone. He says that his scar is a sign of his failure. Says everyone seems busy with their own problems right now kind of vaguely mentions his wife is doing weird shit. <laughs> uh, notices, like, talks about how the his brother and the Young Bucks are like in this blood feud with the Inner Circle, and he's focusing on MJF right now. But he says he also can't ignore the Butcher and the Blade and says that he knows who they are. He calls them Andy Williams and Pepper Parks and Allie. Although, if your name is The Blade, I don't think you'd want to be called Pepper Parks. No. That's, like, not a good nick... Like, The Blade, Pepper Parks. I mean, that's not a good Blade name, but... The Butcher, Andy Williams, that's okay. Like, that sounds like it's okay, but... Anyway, and he, he's like... He acknowledges that the bunny is Allie. He says, look, I know who you guys are. He mentions Beyond Wrestling, specifically. And, uh, bar, and bar Wrestling, of of all of the places... He says he's familiar with their work. If they wanted a match, he should have just asked him. So that they can have that match, and they can even pick his partner, which later on it is revealed that they select uh, QT Marshall to be his partner, the Apple guy, or, or the job guy, more specifically. So it doesn't seem like... Uh, Cody doesn't seem very smart here, uh, obviously, but whatever. Uh, says MJF throwing in the towel wasn't his call. He says MJF was a reject, but Cody thought he saw something in him, but maybe everybody else was right. Uh, says he'll give, he says he wants a match with MJF, but MJF says he's never going to wrestle him. Cody says that he's got a price. He wants to know what it is. He'll give MJF anything he wants. His, his truck that MJF loves, Cody says he can have it. His expensive watch that Tony Khan gave him, he said any, he'll give it to him. Uh, his Louis Vuitton shoes, He'll give those to MJF. His cold hard cash, he'll give that to MJF too. He's got $50,000 that he says he'll give to MJF. Uh, he also says to prove that this is real, uh, he has Justin Roberts give a kid in the front row $100, and the kid adorably just says, thank you. I thought that was <laughs> awesome. Uh, he yes. wants this fight with MJF. What did you think of the Cody promo interview thing? Uh, the first thing I wrote is... Uh, Cody is not a smart man. Um, not only did he lose his only opportunity at the title, mm -hmm. he basically just lets everyone walk all over him. Oh, you can choose my opponent. I'll give you all of my personal belongings yes. so I can fight you in a match. Cody just comes off kind of stupid. He doesn't know what his wife is doing either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just like, he's just cutting off innocent women's hair. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I did like what he uh, said gets, about MJF. It gets so much weirder later in the night, though, and we'll talk about it. But 
for sure. He called MJF Hoodrich, and yes. he has a fake scarf. Yes. His I believe he called scarf. him a Bush League version. Yes. Exactly, yeah. He called uh, him a, a Bush League NWO version of Jericho, which I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. Oh, maybe like what he's screams the... NWO about MJF? Oh, no, I mean, maybe he's like the fake Sting in the NWO. He's like a... If they had like a Chris Jericho in the NWO, it would be like a... You know, it'd be like if Lenny Lane joined the NWO and was doing Chris Jericho's character or something. He's like the, uh, he's like the he's a knockoff Jericho, I think. That makes more sense. Okay, yeah. I think you should have just that. called him the NWO Sting or something. Like people, I think people would have gotten that reference more. But uh, I think that's what he was getting at anyway. That makes more sense. I didn't get that at first. I was like, that's kind of weird. But but yeah, um, I thought the content was good, but Cody just looks stupid, and and it sucks because I like Cody so much. I think he's one of the brightest spots in AEW, but he just makes a series of bad decisions recently. Yeah, uh, I mean he's like Sting, essentially. Sting was a dumb babyface; like he always trusted the wrong people and always got turned on. Uh, but it never seemed to affect Sting's popularity, so. Maybe that'll be the same thing here with Cody. Uh, he also noted that MJF has the the worst crossroads in the business, and he said at least they're botching it on two channels now. Presumably a shot at Damian Priest in NXT, who also uses the the crossroads uh, as well. Although most of the time he hits it, it looks good, so I don't know. Uh, Joey Janela is backstage with Alex Marvez, says that uh, Alex is asking him, what was he thinking accepting uh, a John Moxley challenge? And Joey says that Moxley says that he's going to put people in hospitals. Uh, and he's he says that he'd welcome a stay in a hospital bed. He's got nowhere else to sleep tonight. Uh, all joking aside, he asked John to remember Fighter Fest uh, and notes that uh, even though they put each other through hell, tonight counts. The lights are on, but they're not in his head says Moxley will have to kill him tonight to beat him. Uh, then I wrote here, Nick, and feel free to disagree with me. I wrote, Dean Ambrose shows up, and it sucked. It just felt like this was not John Mo- Like, John Moxley comes in, and then he turns into Dean Ambrose, and he's like, kids these days, and then walks off. Like, that felt like some Monday Night Raw shit that Dean Ambrose would say. And Big time. It, it felt completely out of Moxley character. I hated it. Don't do no, it again, I'd, please. I'd expect Moxley to come in there and like smack him in the face and beat him up a little bit, not just throw mm. a cute little quip at him. Yeah, or like be careful what you wish for. Like, you know, you're younger, you have youthful exuberance or whatever. Uh, people who are younger often say things before thinking. Maybe you should like think twice about what you're saying. Uh, you know, before you actually get what you want. Something along those lines. Just be careful what you wish for. Something. But, you know, I I hated this. Uh, That said, they followed it up with uh, what what I thought ultimately turned into another cool Dark Order video. And our nerd from the previous episodes did not make the cut into the Dark Order. We saw the, uh, the initiation ceremony for two people. One guy wanted to join the Dark Order for revenge purposes and they accepted this man into their order but our our nerd our nerdly uh compatriot uh he said he was willing to give up everything 
And when they asked him why, he said he just wanted friends. And this was not a good enough reason to join the Dark Order. And I presumably they claw him to death? I'm not sure. Like, the, the impression I got was they were going to rip this man apart and kill him. Uh, but I thought this video was excellent, and I love this Dark Order stuff. I wrote, kicks dude in, down and creepers rub his face. <laughs> well, they were, they were rubbing it in, with bad intentions, Nick. Sure. The intentions were to their intentions were to rub his face off. If that is, it might take them a while, but I think eventually, with enough friction, they could they could accomplish this. Uh, I like the Dark Order stuff, though. I like what they're doing. Yes, it's much needed, and I'm I'm happy that they're getting this finally. We get a little reason to care about the Dark Order and see who they really are. Mm-hmm. Um. Nyla Rose versus Leva Bates. Here is the entire match. Boot. Flying knee. Choke slams to both librarians. Beast bomb for the win. It's not really much to uh to write about this. Uh I gave it for the fact that it went just long enough for me to do so, I gave it one and a half. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gave it three quarters of a star. Wow. I went one and a half because they, she executed moves. They appeared to be executed well. And that's about it. But there was like no, it was just a squash. Uh, it was just a squash, but I felt like even it was a little bit clunky. I, I don't know what it was, but at one point. Leva is clunky. <laughs> I think is what it is. That that's got hit by, I think it was like the boot to the face or something. It oh, looked like, like she was like... Yeah. Mr. Bias. It was a little bit off, a little bit awkward. Yeah. Right. Grapple gave it a point eight two, so a little closer to you. I was I was actually more gracious than you or Grapple in this instance. Um Shanna, because uh, she hits her with a second beast bomb, then Shanna runs in. So before this match they show an inset where uh Shanna was supposed to do the commentary on AEW Dark, but earlier in the day uh, Nyla Rose had beaten her up and replaced her on AEW Dark for last week. Uh, and this was Shanna getting some revenge. So they are setting up another woman's, another women's match story here between Nyla Rose and Shanna, giving them uh, something to, to fight over. And Shanna comes in and makes the save. Now they go to a break, and I was watching this via the TNT app. So it, I don't get to see the picture-in-picture break at the moment. Uh, I just see a blank screen that's like, we'll be back in a little bit. It wasn't until later that I got to actually see what happened, and Nyla Rose uh, cuts Shanna off, and she power bombs referee Rick Knox through a table, and then she power bombs Shanna on top of Rick Knox, which did not look fun. And then in a hilarious bit, they show Britt Baker in the audience making a shocked and scared face. And Excalibur says, that's Adam Cole's girlfriend, Britt Baker, which is, of course, uh, exactly what happened at NXT TakeOver War Games. I don't know if you saw that or not, Nick, but um, I did. The, you did not see this? I, I did see it. Oh, you I, did? Yes. I, I think somebody's already posted a picture of like the Spider-Man meme where it's Britt Baker <laughs> looking at Britt Baker. Baker. Yes. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Jericho promo he comes out, he buries Champagne says nobody ever came from here or made anything of themselves 
which is funny, obviously, because Tony Khan uh, was born in Champaign, Illinois. That is his hometown. And, of course, he owns the company that Jericho is cutting a promo in right now. Uh, he puts over the bubbly, says that they've sold 10,000 bottles plus, which is true. Uh, says that he is obligated to wrestle one more time in the calendar year of 2019. And says he gets to choose who he faces. He pulls out a list, which is no longer the list of Jericho, but is the lexicon of Le Champion, which Excalibur immediately points out that Lexicon doesn't mean what Jericho thinks it means. <laughs> and he's correct. Uh, a, a lexicon and a list are not the same things. Uh, I mean, lexicon is like words, but it's not the same thing as a list. Anyway, uh, this this lexicon comprises people whom he refuses to wrestle. A lot of joke names. John Moxley is named frequently, which... Obviously, they're going to be wrestling each other soon. Uh, but uh, a lot of joke names. And before he gets the chance to finish, the last name he says is Marty. Oh. But he is interrupted by the Jurassic Express theme song. And uh, Luchasaurus, <laughs> Luchasaurus roars at Chris Jericho, but then talks normally. And he's like, I bet you think that's what dinosaurs sound like, don't you? And he says that they've been marginalized for 65 million years. Um, he says that Marco Stunt may be small for his age, but he's more of a man than Jericho uh, ever is or ever could be. Jericho notes that Marco Stunt is small for any age. <laughs> any age, Nick. Two years old. Marco Stunt is small for a two-year-old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't think that that's necessarily true. Uh, but he calls out the one person that hasn't said anything to him. Jungle Boy, and says that he hasn't even won a match yet. He couldn't even last 10 minutes with him, calls him a piece of shit. Jungle Boy says that he could last 10 minutes with him, and not only that, he'll kick his ass. And they brawl, and the inner circle bail, and this sets up uh, Jungle Boy and Chris Jericho in a singles match on the last AEW show of the year, which is in two weeks, I believe. So they're do they're going to do a two-week build for Chris Jericho and Jungle Boy, so they're going to uh, add some importance uh, to this match. What, what did you think of this whole segment? I thought it was hilarious. It definitely kind of brought me back to the old armbar promo, except you pre- replace that with Moxley, and it's kind of similar. Yes. Um, I, I, the one thing that I, I <laughs> that I wrote down out of this was after he mentioned Scorpio Sky, he's like, I will not wrestle any of the members of the Scorpions. Yes, and he, too cold Scorpio. <laughs> Yep. It's, it was so good. Um, I, Jericho is just hilarious. Yes. Um, I think he also mentioned he would not wrestle any dinosaurs or children. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I caught the Marty thing, and I'm like, ah, oh, dropping another hint there. Huh? Yeah. I, Marty Skrull is, I think, all but certain to be coming to AEW at this point, but we shall see. It would be, be the biggest shock in the world if he didn't, I think. <laughs> at this point. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um up next, we get Chris Statlander versus Hikaru Shida. Uh, they note here that uh, after winning their tag team match last week, Statlander challenged Shida. And why wouldn't she? Hikaru Shida is the number one ranked women's wrestler in AEW currently. 
they and by the way, this is where they show the inset of Nyla power bombing Knox to the table, and Britt being shown looking concerned. Uh, but without the audio, it wasn't until later that I saw the audio where Excalibur is like, "That's Adam Cole's girlfriend," uh, which only aired during uh, the Fight TV presentation. It would have been silent otherwise. Uh, match just began when they head to a break. When they're back from the break, Sheeta is in control. Uh, Statlander tries a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, but Sheeta gets her in a Fujiwara armbar. Statlander gets to the ropes to escape. Uh, Sheeta hits, I'm just calling it the effing machine suplex. It's that suplex that Brian Cage kind of popularized in uh, PWG, where he deadlifts somebody from the apron into an avalanche superplex. Very impressive, because Sheeta is, is like good size, but Statlander is even bigger than she is. So this was a very impressive suplex. Uh, she gets a two. Statlander makes a comeback, hits her scissors kick, but only gets a two. Sheeta hits her big knee strike, but that only gets a two. Statlander then hits a spinning Michinoku driver for a two. Uh, and then she hits her finish, the Big Bang Theory, on Sheeta and pins her. And the announcers make a big deal out of this, noting that Chris Statlander is an unranked contender and she just beat the number one ranked women's contender in Hikaru Shida. So a a big putting over of Chris Statlander. What did you think of the match, Nick? I, I am a big Chris Statlander fan, so mm-hmm. if this means more Statlander on television, and, and I'm assuming that's the way she's going to go, it sounds like they're probably going to sign her, and yeah. they're going to give her a big match like this. I was all about it. I thought it was fun. I loved Chris Statlander's series of cartwheels at the start of the match. Yes, and um, she booped her. Yeah, she, she loves to do that to people. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think she recently did a promo. I was going to say she's an alien, so you know, she is an alien. She recently did a promo. I forget what promotion it was for. I think it may have been AIW, um, where she was talking to Sarah Joy Shockey, and she, she ended the promo by putting her finger up her nose. So. She's just a big weirdo, and I love her. Just trying um, to fi- but- just trying to figure out us humans, Nick. That's all. Just how how do these humans work? Yeah, I mean, after all, her spaceship just crash landed in New York, and yeah. you know, she decided to become a wrestler. So you know, all the respect in the world to her. But yeah, the match was solid. Um, I only gave it about three stars. I may have gone a little bit over just because I'm such a big Statlander fan. But I'm I love that she got this huge win, and I hope it leads to something big for her. No, and I don't think you went over at all. Uh, I thought, I mean, Sheeta is good, and Statlander's very impressive. I gave this three and a quarter, and okay. Grapple went 3.33, so even above me a little bit. Uh, people love them, some Sheeta and, and Statlander. Post-match, yeah. though, this is where shit gets weird. <laughs> shit gets real weird. Uh, awesome Kong and Brandy come out. Brandy starts talking... About I'm super confused, okay? So, she says that her and Kong are the Nightmare Collective, Nick. Which, she notes, is a part of the Nightmare family. Which is Cody and Brandy and one point MJF, but like DDP. Cody's inner circle, if you will. His inner inner circle, not just the elite guys. His family. People he considers friends. Glacier is a part of the the Nightmare family, Nick. I don't know if you're aware of this, but... Oh, I'm aware of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
But, so, they're heels, but they're part of this babyface conglomeration. And the way she talked about it, I mean, pardon my Will Smith here, but it sounds like they're starting some kind of suicide squad, Nick. She says they do the jobs that the Nightmare family doesn't want to do. It literally sounds like they're doing Suicide Squad, which you could have picked a better movie to base your faction off of. Uh, Not a lot of people like that Suicide Squad flick, but um, it's weird. She wants Statlander to join, right? They want to recruit Chris Statlander into her group, but... Instead, some lady at ringside is screaming that she wants to pledge. And they let her go up to the ring, where Awesome Kong cuts off some of her hair, and then they go to commercial break. I just wrote, the fuck? (laughs) What was this? Nick, I need your help. Tell me what happened here. I... I really don't know. This seemed more like something in line with what I'd see with the Dark Order, but even this is weirder than... Dark Order makes sense to me. This does not make sense to me. I noted that the woman was uh, independent wrestler Melanie Cruz from Shimmer Wrestling. Okay. Um, at first, I I don't know why, but for a brief second, I thought it was like... Uh, what's her name? Tessa Blanchard. I'm like, oh, she's... That's oh, not quite her. I don't know. Her... God, if this is how they introduce Tessa Blanchard. I mean, it's not, I I thank goodness it's not Tessa, but. I figure if she gets signed, they'll make a bigger deal about it. She's not going to debut in a way like this. So I had to look it up and I found out who it was. Yes. Um, I have no fucking idea what they're doing. This. So she's not. What the hell is Brandy? (laughs) She's not disassociated with Cody, but now she's a hair collecting witch person, maybe, who's not a witch. Maybe she's just the like the head office person from the Suicide Squad movie and they hire bad guys to do the things the good guys won't? I don't know, but this is too much. I don't like it. I don't like it. (laughs) Also, I'm saying if Cody doesn't know what's going on, that's pretty bad. (laughs) This is, yeah, this is bad. No, none of this is good. Like, if Brandy didn't want to be his valet anymore and wanted to go off on her own, like, just be a babyface singles wrestler that doesn't need to be with her husband to make her way in the business and start from the bottom and work your way up. That would have been fine, but this is, like, this is so incongruent because Cody's, like, the babyface or, like, one of the babyfaces of the company, and this just doesn't make sense. Like he acknowledges it, but it's just, it's all so weird. He's like, my wife's doing weird. The only explanation is that Cody is himself a really bad person and nobody's just seen it yet. Like I associate with MJF. He's a bad guy, but he was my bad guy. And yeah, my wife's cutting off the hair of innocent people, but you know, I love her. She's my wife. (laughs) Like this is just too weird. Uh, anyway, we, should we move on? Do you have other thoughts about this bizarre post-match? I, I got nothing else to add. That's It's just so weird. Like, what what are you guys doing? Like, And she's supposed to be one of the people in power in the company, you know? Yes. Chief brand officer, but she's also cutting people's hair off. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and it feels like there's too many dark cult-like 
broody, dark, faction-y teams. Like, we've got Dark Order, we've got the Nightmare Collective, and we'll see them later, but, you know, Butcher and Blade and Bunny are also kind of the same in the same vein. Maybe they're all connected, Nick. We'll find... Pearl's going to connect them all. Yes. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, Christopher Daniels versus Pentagon Jr. Uh, the backstory here, obviously, is that many weeks ago, Pentagon Jr. gave Christopher Daniels a package pile driver on the ramp and injured him, and Daniels is now cleared and out for revenge. Uh, Daniels meets Pentagon on the ramp with a crossbody, uh, where they then fight on the ramp, and Penta... Uh, cuts him off, gets him back into the ring, and the match starts uh, as they go into a break. And back from the break, Daniels makes a comeback, hits a blue thunder for a two. Pentagon cuts him off, where they go back out onto the ramp. Uh, Christopher Daniels then fucks up an Arabian press going to the outside. Like, this was not good at all. I don't know what happened here, but it was awful. They get back into the ring. He hits the Angels' wings. Uh, Phoenix runs interference. Pentagon ends up hitting a low blow and gives Daniels the package pile driver for the win. Uh, what did you think of Daniels and Pentagon? It was not the grudge match I was hoping for. Yeah. Um, I guess this prolongs it a bit, and maybe they'll eventually have a match on pay-per-view, which will be what we were hoping for. But yeah, it's, especially with Daniels blowing that move, that that took down the rating quite a bit for me. Mm. Um, and, and I really want to like this match because it, it's Daniels' first singles match in AEW. It's kind of a big deal. There's a big feud behind it and it just under-delivered. I gave it two and three-quarter stars. Okay. Uh, I gave it a little bit more than that. I, it made it to three for me. And uh, Grapple gave it 2.74. So uh, all in the same ballpark, but you and Grapple, right on uh, right on course this week. Uh, I'm not going to keep calling them the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny because that's going to drive me nuts. So I'm just calling them Team 3B from here on out. B3! Uh, or B3. <laughs> uh, uh, basically, it's Allie talking, and it sounds like the whole reason for their existence and her heel turn is they're just sick of Cody being pushed. Did I miss anything? <laughs> they're That's inter- it. They're internet fans who hate Roman Reigns. There you go. <laughs> You're just on everything, and we're tired of you being pushed down our throats. So we came in here to beat you up. I'm like, oh, okay. Not a, and poor Jim Ross, he's like, if people want an explanation about the butcher, the blade, and the bunny, this'll help. And I'm like, it didn't. Oh. Like, that's a bad reason, but okay. Uh, main event, Joey Janela and John Moxley. They note here that this is Joey Janela's first uh, Dynamite main event. Uh, they are wrestling to begin this match, Nick, and trading momentum back and forth, heading into a uh, heading into a break. Uh, after uh, Moxley hits him with like a lariat on the ramp, they go to a break, uh, and they're back from the break. Moxley hits a release suplex on Joey uh, for a two count. Joey hits the springboard tornado DDT onto the ramp. Does what I best can best describe as an avalanche schoolboy. Like, I don't know what he was going... It looked kind of like a middle rope schoolboy. Like, it looks like a powerbomb, but the way he went into it, it looked like a, a schoolboy. Uh, they do the strike exchange, which concludes with Moxley being snapped German into the corner. And I don't even know what happened here. I just wrote, 
Janela flies onto the screen and through the timekeeper's table. I'm not even sure what happened. Did the camera even catch it? No, I didn't catch it either. I, I kind of just caught it, and I was like, what? "What? where did he come from? Crowd was going crazy. He hits a big elbow off the top on Moxley for a two. Uh, Moxley fights back. They're into the ropes, and he hits the paradigm shift on the buckle, a la Air, El Generico, although not as impressive looking, uh, and then gets him back into the ring and hits him with another paradigm shift for good measure. Uh, post-match, Chris Jericho stares down Moxley from the stands, just like how Moxley uh, stared him down last week. Uh, what did you think of Moxley and Janela in the main event? That was solid. Yeah, didn't go match. too. Yeah, didn't go too crazy, but I mean, there were some cool spots in it. Although I wish I know what happened with Janela in that table. Um, <laughs> it just came flying from out of nowhere. To be honest, at this point in the show. I think I told you earlier I was having internet problems, so the show was coming out. I didn't get to see the stuff that was going on during the commercial because TNT doesn't post that on demand for some reason. Yep. And and I think I was just a little bit worn out. So I liked the match, but I think I could have liked it a lot more if I wasn't fatigued from some of the other BS we saw on the show. Mm-hmm. And my internet troubles, which, you know, is unfair to Mox and Janela, but I'll be honest, it, it was there. Yep. Um, I gave this one three and a quarter star. Yeah, me too. Hey, so we weren't that affected, uh, because I agreed with you. Three and a quarter for me as well. But uh, Grapple almost gave this three and a half, giving it 3.46. So they liked it a little bit more than we did. But all in all, uh, an improvement over last week, a good episode of Dynamite, I thought for sure. Uh, And weird. (laughs) Yes. Uh, One thing I want to point out for people who are keeping track, uh, we do the, the... the Wednesday Night War results on uh, our uh, sisterly podcast, What Comes Next. And uh, for the purposes, I I think this is just good for clarification purposes. Uh, What we are keeping track of for fun is the total viewers. But uh, total viewers are actually not the the TV ratings. So... uh, this needs to be clarified. And and I've talked about, we've talked about the demos uh, every week on the NXT podcast as well, because the demos are actually the important thing. Those are the things that the TV networks want to see who won in. Uh, and those are the actual ratings, actual TV ratings and overall viewers are not the same thing. Uh, the, the TV ratings are determined by the share you get of certain demographics with one demographic, 18 to 49, being the most important demographic in TV. Uh, this bears, I think this bears explaining because I've had way too many conversations with people who did not know uh, what what this is. So the entire TV business, driven by advertising dollars, advertisers look at ratings, and the ratings are broken down into demographics. 18 to 49 is the most coveted. It is the money demographic because those people are seen, or or at least the opinion is that they have more expendable cash. They are less set in their ways and they're going to potentially be customers longer than people who are 50 years old and older. Those people are seen to have more of a fixed budget are more set in their ways and, uh, to put it bluntly, have less time to spend on earth than the younger people do. Uh, so that is why 18 to 49 is more coveted. 
that's uh and in this day and age uh where tv is faltering uh is falling prey to more streaming outlets and things like that uh the 18 to 49 demo has always been uh like the key one but now it's everything to television so when the tv ratings come out shows are ranked by their share of that demo and if you look at the the ratings chart every week every single week AEW has won in the key demographic they've beaten NXT uh whatever it is 9 weeks in a row or 10 weeks i think it's 9 weeks cuz we're on episode 10 so uh they've beaten them every single week including the last 2 weeks where NXT beat them in total viewers uh i think it's fun to do the total viewers count cuz you know it's like the overall how many people watched and that's who won but you know, nobody has to think that because AEW has not had the total viewers count the last two weeks that they're in any kind of trouble, which is weird, but I've seen people insist that they're in trouble because NXT has started beating them in total viewers. But until NXT starts beating them in the demographic, uh, and for a sustained amount of time, I don't think AEW has anything to worry about. Uh, they're still doing well above their projections and they're still doing well in the, uh, the the demographic that is important. So uh, it bears talking about, I know some people don't give a shit about rating stuff and that's fine. You don't have to care about it, but there are people who are insisting things. And I think it's important to, to just point out the facts. We're, we're kind of covering the overall numbers for fun, but um, that's all it's for is for fun. There's a, there's no real winning or losing. In fact, both shows are doing just fine for the most part. So no need to get completely bent out of shape, but Nick, I think you know how it is. Sometimes people like to choose their sides and, uh, weirdly enough, will die on Hills over stuff like this. Not oh, for sure. I not worth it. Con- Conrad Thompson recently mentioned on his podcast with Eric Bischoff that he had people hitting him up when, uh, AEW lost the first week, uh, in the ratings. He's like, are you going to do a podcast called seven weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, uh, it's just silly. You should be rooting for everybody. You should want yeah. everyone to succeed because the more popular wrestling is, the better it is for everyone. The better it is for the performers. They can make more money, which I think, if you're a real fan, you should be in favor of that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, look, people have people have said like, "Hey, nobody talked about the demos during the Monday Night Wars," which is not true. Uh, demos were reported on, but the fact of the matter is, back then just as now the who won really wasn't that important. Like television ratings back in the nineties weren't that important. They're ironically now are more important than they've ever been. Uh, now or back then less important. The wrestling business was predicated on selling tickets and merchandise and pay-per-views back then. And that's why WCW went out of business because even though they were doing everything they could... See, that was their problem, Nick. They were doing everything they could to focus on keeping up with the ratings. But they were doing it to the detriment of not selling as many tickets, not selling as many pay-per-views. Their overall product was pretty bad, but they were doing everything they could to get people to keep watching the television show. When that wasn't the wrestling business back then. Uh, so the demos back then, even the overall numbers really weren't that important to the stability of the wrestling company. But today, uh, if WWE has proven anything, it's that 
uh, the wrestling business has changed if you're a wrestling company on television and television rights fees are everything because all of WWE's other metrics are down yet they're making more money than they've ever done because of the TV rights fees. So uh, ratings and keeping advertisers happy has never been more important. Uh, that Saudi blood money, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get that money from wherever you can because it's not coming from your TV viewing audience. It's not coming from your house shows. It's not coming from your network subscriptions. It's all coming from the the TV rights deals. So, uh, yeah, ratings in that regard have never been more important, and what you get in the demographics have never been more important either. So, yeah, times have changed. The business has changed. So that's why people didn't talk about those things as much back then, because that's not what everything really centered around. Uh, now they do, though. So that's important to, to keep current with that sort of stuff, I, I would wager. Uh, all right, so enough of that stuff, Nick. It's time to wrap up the show. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe. And that way you can hear us come back next time talk about more AEW Dynamite. It'll be from Dallas, Texas, Nick, featuring the Young Bucks against Proud and Powerful in a Texas street fight. Yeah, I love my kids.